0: okay so welcome back to the scholarly sisters and episode two
1: we are back without technical difficulty we hope
0: (laughs) this week managed to work out what the issue was you can only record for five minutes at a time through safari but 30 minutes on chrome or 120 on your phone. So that Top makes sense. Top tips
1: for you if you're <laughs> thinking about recording a podcast. There you go. There's some suggestions.
0: Saves you some time. <laughs> and some stress. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite stressful. Um, but yeah, we're back. So this week, what we want to cover, if you've seen our Instagram post, is about funding. And this is because someone got in touch and mm. said that they had been speaking with their partner about PhDs and they sort of questioned about the funding. Mm. And obviously we spoke very minimally on our sort of experience of funding last time. So we wanted to share a bit more on that and also look at the other ways that you can fund a PhD.
1: Yeah, money, 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 different ways for us to somehow get through this journey and there are so many different ways and we'll cover them today and i think the point is is that you can use some of these methods some of this funding and you can kind of chop and change it so Mm -hmm. you can get funding from one place and then apply for funding from another place if it doesn't quite cover you There are so many options, so never feel stuck, I think, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, there's definitely different ways of doing it. Obviously, we mentioned last week about kind of the studentship, Mm. positioning and sort of graduate teaching um, Mm. that you did. Do you want to kind of go into that a bit more and like the money side of it?
1: Yeah, Okay.
0: Okay. so
1: one of the top ways then I think Mm -hmm. is fair to say of getting funding for your PhD is to apply for what they call studentships so it's essentially a scholarship which also sometimes includes some kind of work Mm -hmm. that you get paid for so my studentship was funded through my university so edge hill university up in lancashire Mm -hmm. so they have a pot of funding that they allocate to phd research degree funding each year and this funding essentially allows students to it kind of Gives you some money for rent and accommodation. There was the option to live on campus, which meant that that was all free. Um, so I didn't take oh. up that uh, initial rent payment that they would have paid because I just wow. took up the on campus accommodation.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So I never saw that money until I chose to move off campus, which was pretty quick and is maybe a story for another time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I essentially got my rent subsided and then I got a separate amount of funding. It kind of all came together, it all yeah. came together on the same day mm-hmm. each month. But it was kind of looked at in two parts. So there was the kind of living allowance, rent allowance in one pot. Yeah. That was about five, six thousand pounds when I when I did this. Yeah. I want to say five thousand, and that's over something. a year. And that was for the year. Is year. that an academic year or a calendar year? Calendar year. Okay. No, sorry. Academic year. Okay. But it was the twelve months. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Right.
1: Yeah. So the that funding is one side of it. The other side of it is that you get paid to teach like a salary like a salary Mm -hmm. yeah and my teaching was six hours a week and that was the same for every PhD student that Mm -hmm. was on the studentship at Hill. so we had to teach for what was an equivalent of six hours a week and we got paid the standard you know first year lecturer hourly rate mm-hmm. if you like yeah so my studentship for my first year i want to
0: say it was something
1: around thirteen thousand mm-hmm. pounds for the year which... and
0: they covered your phd didn't didn't they so then you didn't pay for the phd out of that 13
1: no i didn't pay for the fee so the fee was in that mm-hmm. too yeah so I guess all in, it's probably looking, you know, if you add another 4,000 yeah. or whatever it would
0: have been. About four to five, aren't they? Yeah. Depending on what it is, where you go.
1: So all in, I probably got around- 17, 18,000 17, 18, for my first year. And then it went up by a thousand each year.
0: Mm-hmm, okay okay.
1: Um, I don't know whether that's still the case now, but, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was my studentship and they all look, slightly different yeah it was part of my contract that I had to teach but I know other
0: studentships
1: that you don't have to teach
0: at all yeah the one I applied for that mm. I mentioned in our last podcast which was sans that didn't include teaching it yeah. just include they would cover my fee yeah and that was it I don't think I would have been given money no. with it so if you were to look for the type of studentship I was on They're called
1: usually called graduate teaching assistant studentships. Yeah. So you become what they abbreviate to as a GTA, and on top of it on top of that, you're working towards your doctorate at the same time. Mm -hmm. But they all look entirely different. And the thing with Edge Hill and other some other universities is that they pay for that out of their own budget. So it was the university that was paying for it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the university in collaboration with a research council, for example, which is the way that a lot of other universities do it. Mm -hmm. So you can apply for your doctorate at a university and then you apply for the funding separately. Yeah. There are just so many different ways, aren't there?
0: Yeah, there is a lot. So like SENS isn't a part of Roehampton. They were available at a number of universities down in London Mm. and the surrounding kind of area. And I had to apply to the university first and say I was applying for the studentship as well. Yeah. Because the studentship would have paid for it. Obviously, I didn't get it. So mine was all self-funded. And as we... Sort of mentioned last time. I was lucky that I came started a year after you, so the graduate then loan from the government was available. Mm. And at that time, it was worth about twenty seven thousand. And I, I don't think I got it paid in one lump sum. I think I got it over three years. But I know that is now different. I think it's about twenty eight odd thousand, and you get it as a singular lump sum. So you have to budget it yourself. Wow, I didn't know that. No, I didn't either. I started looking into it again to see what was different. So that's what has changed. So mine was about 27 and now it's up to 28,673. And that's the maximum you can take and all of it's paid directly into your bank account. So you can use it for your PhD fees, research fees, maintenance, or any kind of other costs that you wish to use it for. So I use mine to pay for my tuition fee, which was 4,000 odd pounds a year. And if you paid it in full, you got a slight discount. I think it was 2% discount. So every little helps as they say. Yeah. And then I kept the rest back. And I, I mean, I was lucky the first year I was sharing a space with my partner. So that was fine. Mm. And then the year, After that, we stayed with his parents. So I had very minimal rent and bills Mm. and I was very, very lucky. So I didn't work that first year at all. I just did the PhD, um, which was very much not the case for a lot of people. And I was very grateful that I was in such a circumstance that meant I could do that. But moving forward, I did um I did part-time work and then I became a visiting lecturer mm. and that salary just working one semester was pretty decent and really helpful and that helped me out so that's how I covered it and that can be quite kind of like I'm said to say the second most common way of doing it
1: yeah i mean there's a
0: website
1: called postgraduate studentships and it says that it covers all types of funding, all for postgraduates, And I, I mean, I have the website up now and I'm just looking at it and they've got a, an advert, for example, for the University of Manchester mm-hmm. for the Faculty of Humanities saying that, you know, deadlines are approaching. And I think that's the other part of studentships is yeah. that there are deadlines usually at the beginning of a calendar year yeah it's normally january time january february and then if you have to apply then in order to get the funding to just kind of kick start in mm-hmm. september when your academic year starts yeah um but there are so there are studentships and they look different for every university and looking at what the criteria is just means you just need to go onto the different websites yeah. of the universities that you're interested at and see what their application tells you yeah in what's terms the of, you know what the criteria is mm-hmm. um and what you'll be eligible for there are other types aren't there so there's charity yeah. and trust funding which is something I
0: did as well
1: yeah. And there are hundreds of charities. Oh, there's so many.
0: There's a story. And I, the reason I found the charitable trust I applied to and received a small amount of money from was because on, I think it was on find a PhD. There was a story about somebody who had managed, I think over the course of a year to create a pot of about 50,000 pounds from going for different charities, which you can do. So you can, as we said at start kind of like mix and match and sort of top things up. So I applied and I had to explain where there was any kind of hardship and like a difference um, between me and then being able to attend things and if I needed it for conferences.
1: What charity
0: was it? The Richard Stapley Trust. The Richard Stapley Trust. Yeah. yeah. So you can apply every year and I applied twice. I got it the first year, but not the second. Um, mm. And it was a check that was sent to me for a thousand pounds. So that covered some of my maintenance and it covered travel when I was still going on to campus before good old COVID came along mm. and everything was online. So I didn't go back to campus physically and I still haven't been back since the start of 2020. <laughs> Never had to return, which is a weird feeling. Although now you are there weekly because yeah. you work there now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm there all the time. <laughs> but I think the other thing is, is to not feel completely disheartened. Yeah. If you don't get funding, if you don't, if you aren't successful in those applications, because there is the government loan. Yeah. Which is a good thing
0: yeah it's a great starting point and if you can maybe do a phd Mm. part-time that can be really helpful i would say after that kind of first year i mean it really depends what industry and which area going into being based in education i had you know i felt more of a luxury in the second year of not having to be on site i feel like if you're doing something that is lab based yeah you're on you're on site pretty frequently Mm -hmm. you won't necessarily be able to supplement it with having a part-time job Mm. um i have colleagues now who are working full-time but are doing a part-time phd Mm -hmm. and that obviously takes i mean it can take any sort of time but around seven years i think is the average on part-time
1: yeah about that yeah
0: i I mean mine was full it took four and a bit five yeah Yeah, I think that the time
1: scale of PhDs is very much a grey area. Massively. Um But I mean, we know that funding is a huge aspect of this. Yeah. I had decided pretty early on that a funded PhD was the only option for me. And I likely wouldn't be here now mm-hmm. if I hadn't got a funded PhD. Yeah, because the government loan wasn't a thing at all. The government loan wasn't a thing. I mean, who knows? You know, it, you can think yeah. about what you mu- you know what I might have done. I might have applied a year later, you know. But it depends. It depends mm-hmm. what how life goes. Who knows? I might have packed my bags and gone traveling.
0: You never. Have. You may never still. <laughs> <back>. <laughs>
1: um, but you you know it's with the government loan now. I think it does put people in a really in a much better position for funding yeah
0: i think it's doing what it's meant to but Mm. there's obviously there's the need to supplement it if you want to do it full time and yeah take a step back from working yeah so the other ways that you can think of other than charities and trusts, there are business and industry Uh there are research councils you can even look at funded projects Mm -hmm. so where you join a research team and that's already funded already um and then you don't have to necessarily worry about paying the fees but obviously there's the other things to consider Mm -hmm. um we had a look didn't we online of other ways you can do it and crowd sourcing did crowdsourcing (laughs) was
1: an option i mean if you can get people to help out to help out you go for it but other maybe more appropriate ways yeah might be so employer sponsorship um a lot of employers are interested in in sponsoring Mm -hmm. you especially if your PhD is in a in the field that you're working in um, and is relevant to the company you're working in who knows you know that that could be something they haven't explored yet but if you you know that old age old saying of if you don't you don't ask ask, you don't get um and also similar to that some industries can offer funding for research projects that align with their interests too so not just companies but entire industries Mm -hmm. can sometimes um also be interested in in that kind of thing alongside graduate teaching assistantships (laughs) if that's a word there are also research assistantships so instead of working as a lecturer whilst you're doing your phd you can also work as a research assistant in exchange for funding yeah and sometimes that research can be aligned with your studies maybe it's you know something totally different but it's sort of being paid to work in research but also do your phd at the same time I know that this sounds like a minefield as we're talking about this, I know that listeners are probably thinking. Oh, good God. Well, there's (laughs) a lot to think about here. There is. And there's no logical Uh -uh. step-by-step process that we can talk about because that's not a thing.
0: No, it it's, it's basically doing a bit of research and seeing what is out there and starting off by selecting, maybe institutions or potential supervisors, and then getting in touch with them, seeing what's available. There are certain banks do um, certain loans and things like that. I know Santander does a grant, Mm -hmm. um, because that's been mentioned before at Roehampton. Um, I didn't necessarily look into it at the time, but that is something. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's then, universities sometimes have their own scholarships mm-hmm. yeah. um, that can be looked into. And obviously we're very much talking in a UK based context, mm-hmm. things internationally will be extremely different. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking about doing something abroad, then I would definitely start getting in touch with potential institutions and seeing what's available. Cause there's a yeah. lot of things to think about with funding. And as we say, it is a bit of a minefield and it can feel overwhelming but I think key things to keep in mind is that obviously a PhD is long. Mm -hmm. As I said, mine full time, something that I started thinking of three years time Mm -hmm. was like five years and I didn't have any major things happen. It's just, that's how long it took. Obviously COVID happened. That really didn't affect my study. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to pause anything, but it still took that long. Um, and as we said you can think about part-time but it doesn't make it cheaper it no. just makes it more manageable because yeah. the payments are smaller but it still adds up to the same amount yeah at the end
1: yeah yeah i think that's covered the actual types of funding that you can get yeah we're always happy to try and help wherever we can absolutely i've been helping a student recently who is really interested in applying for PhDs and trying to talk through the process and it's very much an individual experience Mm -hmm. so the more people you can ask for support and for help the better and as Katie said the best thing you can do is start with your universities that you're interested in yeah and locating supervisors and potential supervisors who have expressed either on the website i've even recently noticed on linkedin that universities are advertising their academics that are open to phd students oh wow i haven't seen this yeah edge hill have been doing it oh okay that's really cool and and explaining a bit about the the individual academics who are open to accepting students and what their interests are so It's about doing your research.
0: Yeah, it's starting at that back thing. And we we know that it's hard to kind of put it all together. Find a PhD is a really good website. Mm -hmm. I found that really supportive when I was looking at things. And
1: Postgraduate Studentships as Mm -hmm. well is a really good website. And they even have, you know, open days and dates of open days and their own webinars on there. So definitely definitely have a look at some of those bits and bobs and i mean keep us updated
0: yeah please keep sending us in messages questions comments concerns those sort of things and we know that it's not easy to always find the information i think that's why we wanted to start this podcast because when we were in this position it was Mm -hmm. super overwhelming and there wasn't really anyone around that could explain it in a way that i found digestible i think is the one i'm going to use
1: yeah i think we uh, we very much figured it all out on our own didn't we yeah
0: we were lucky that we had certain people to kind of give us some guidance mm-hmm. but the kind of nitty-gritty about funding and how to find a supervisor and mm-hmm. all the other things that we want to cover as a part of this podcast we just sort of had to go through the motions and yeah there's a lot i wish i knew when i started that probably would have made things easier and less anxiety inducing
1: yeah i think so and i think also we were told some of these things like we were directed to find a phd yeah but you can be directed there and then there's so much information on there that you just don't even know where to begin but i think the key message is that all of the applications
0: mm-hmm.
1: are totally different. Massively. And that's not necessarily what you want to hear <laughs> because it just means more work for you. But if it gives you any kind of, I don't know, any kind of security or sense of awareness, it's. That's the way it is. And we had the same experience. So don't feel alone and that you're doing something wrong. No, not
0: at all. It's just, yeah, there's a lot out there. And there's a lot to kind of pick apart. And a thing that we're going to cover in our next episode is about finding a supervisor and Mm -hmm. the things you should look out for. And those sort of green flags that we want to see with supervisors, because it's a very close relationship that you develop. And it's really personal. And if it isn't the right fit, it can go wrong very quickly. Oh, hugely wrong. And if it's the good fit, then it's great. And things are really supportive. But we'll get into that in the new year because we're going to take a little bit of a longer than two week pause this time, just because of Christmas and New Year. So, three weeks' time, the very next episode will be out and we'll be in 2024.
1: See you in 2024 and Happy New
0: Year. Yeah, have a good Christmas and New Year. Bye, guys. Bye.